You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Thank you for being here tonight, guys. Really, uh, I know we have some that are guests as well. You've never been to River City Church. Thank you so much for taking time to be here tonight. Uh, We're honored you, really, we are honored that you're here tonight. And for every guy that's in the house, thank you uh, for for just deciding to say, we're gonna come together and worship God together, get in the word uh, as men. And uh, I tell you what, it's awesome. So thank you for being here. I'm Brian, if we haven't met yet, um, it's my privilege to serve as lead pastor here at River City Church. And this is actually the very first men's night we've ever done. Uh, and so uh, we are excited. We'll have this every year, and, and uh, I am looking forward to all that God does, and, and I believe that tonight's going to be something different because I, I, I've not had this happen uh, outside of this, but uh, in January, God gave me this message for you. Uh, and I, it's, it's, it's always unique when God gives me something like literally months out, uh, but I believe God knows who's supposed to be here. He knows who needs to hear this, and I I believe this is going to be for you today. Uh, We're going to have uh, the message notes on the screen as well. You can follow along with us, but uh, we're going to be in 2 Samuel 23, 2 Samuel 23, and we'll begin in verse 8, and the message title is, Take the Field. Before we read this, I I had a very short baseball career. It ended with (laughs) T-ball. Years later, I was a chaplain for a uh, pro team, and they had me, before I started the chaplaincy, a chaplain's a pastor of a sports team. And so I'm, before I started that, they asked me to fill out how much experience I had. The sport was baseball, and I, I was embarrassed to say T-ball, so I put N-A. Uh, and, and my career about ended. The highlight of my baseball career was when I took the field for our Little League Championship, and uh, all the players, we all ran out, and they announced our nicknames for the season. Every one of us had earned a nickname, and mine uh, I wore like a badge of honor because I ran out there and they, they said, here's Brian Resendez, he's flash. And I'm, I'm thinking it means that I'm fast. And, and so I'm running out on the field, like I feel the wind as I'm running, like it's amazing, I am flash. I gotta be the fastest on the team. I found out years later, my dad told me the truth. He said, the reason why they called you Flash is you, are, you were the slowest on the team. And, uh, and that's, that's just how it was. But uh, we're, we're going to look at taking the field today. 2 Samuel 23, uh, beginning in verse 8, it's a list of men who are described as the mighty men of David. David, at this point, is king of Israel. David has killed Goliath. David has successfully navigated a difficult season of of, of adversity, of persecution, of of loss, of isolation, and now he is uh, officially king. And at the end of his, uh, of of several exploits and stories of the reign of David, it it lists a group of men that it describes as this. They're the mighty men of David. That word mighty comes, of course, to describe their strength, their courage, but it's a Hebrew word that means to prevail, to be successful in strength or authority, to be brave, to be a champion, I like this, to be a helper, to stand out. So so this list that's going to follow, and we're only going to look at one name in this list. There's several names. uh, There's amazing stories in this, and these are the warriors. These are like the special forces of the army of Israel. These are the best of the best. These are the toughest guys. 
and they distinguish themselves by their exploits. But what you may not know when you read their story and read the list of the men here that are described as the mighty men of David, that every single one of them came from a different list. And it was a list of people that were described this way. They were in distress, they were in debt, and they were discontented. And that same group, because they got around a giant slayer named David, something began to happen in their life. I've said this before in our church, but you can tell many times where we're gonna be in five years by the people we associate, the people that pour into us and we pour into. And, and, and these guys get around a giant slayer and what ends up happening is several of them become giant slayers themselves. They become the mighty men of David. And it says this, verse eight, these are the names of the mighty men. I think it's important. Now, most of us will read this list like any list in the Bible of, of generations of fathers and sons and the genealogies that follow. And sometimes we, we read through it in a hurry or we just kind of skip that part in our Bible reading because uh, we don't always recognize the significance. But these men stood out. That's why they were mighty. They stood out for a reason. When they faced a challenge or a battle or an adversity, they rose to the occasion. When everybody else ran, they stood, they stood strong. And I love this story because as we read this list, we find out that these men mattered. They mattered in their generation. They mattered whether anybody else knew their name. God knew their name. And God wanted them included in our Bible. So the generations after would recognize and celebrate these mighty men of David. And I think that many times we don't recognize our value, our purpose, our place, our calling as men. I think we, it's, it's not hard to tell you that we live in a time that, is, that, that the idea of what a man is and what a man is to be and what a man's called to do is under assault. And because of that, we see an erosion in our culture that has affected every area of life. Strong men have strong families. Strong families produce a strong society and strong societies produce strong nations. And if the devil had a strategy to destroy a nation, I believe he begins not just even with the family, he begins with a man. He begins with a man who's single. He begins with, begins with a man who's married. He begins with a man to try to erode who he is in his character, his confidence, his faith, in what God has designed him to be and to do. Can I just tell you that men matter? Men matter, you matter to God, you matter to the purpose of God and the lie that the world will tell you and the lie that many times your own circumstance will tell you is that my life doesn't matter. Maybe you've had some disappointment, we all have. You've had failures, we've all had failures. But in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of loss, in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of hurt, we find out that God has made men for a mission, a battle, and a field. There is a place with your name on it. And just like David had mighty men, when you and I gather and draw near to Jesus and get around other men of God, something begins to happen. What they carry begins to rub off. And we start carrying. We came in discontented, in debt, distressed, broken and messed up by life, our own failures and the choices of others. And yet we find out when we get around Jesus, the one who overcame, he turns our life upside down so that we can turn the world upside down. What this generation needs is a group of men that are fully after God and are fully for seeing their families 
and our nation and our culture rescued from a flood that is destroying and undermining everything we see. But it takes a man. In fact, God's answer is a man called, filled, and led. And he's called you. You were created by God to lead in your assignment and in your field. And when I say field, I'm not just describing your career field, although it can always have a part, but, but God's put a field that looks like many times the place he's assigned you, the people he's, he's called you to impact. He places you in a field that if you don't show up, what God intends to happen in that place will not happen. And I believe, and I've got three points for you today. The first one is this, men show up. Men show up to the field they're called to. Men show up when others run, when others flee, when others forsake their purpose. Men of God show up. Men of honor, men of integrity, men of purpose show up. Not perfect men. In fact, none of these guys in this list were perfect. But every one of them was called mighty for a reason. Verse 11 is the guy we're gonna look at tonight. It says next to the guy that preceded was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herorite. And when the Philistines, the enemies, banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. Israel's troops ran away. But Shammah, all by himself, took his stand. It's time for men to take their stand. No matter what you face, no matter what's even coming, it's time for men to take their stand. There was an interview of a man who was a child predator. He was a serial predator, and they asked him, because he had targeted numerous children, and they asked him, what was it about these kids that you, you, you selected, or why did you select them? And here's what he said. He said, the first thing I looked at was their family, whether or not their family was present. But then he said the most important thing about their family was whether or not there was a man and whether or not he was dangerous. See, there's something about a man that's present that makes enemies think twice. Sometimes we think, well, as a Christian guy, I shouldn't be thinking about fighting. But listen, sometimes Jesus turned over tables. And if the enemy's gonna come and mess with my kids and mess with my family and mess with those that God's put in my circle, <laughs> Get ready to turn some tables, church. You're called to take your stand in the field. You're called to be dangerous to the darkness. You're called to be dangerous to the enemy and his plan and his purpose. Shama positioned himself and took his stand, not at the fringes, not on the edges, but right in the middle of the field. What separates those that run and those that stand and fight are those that are willing to say, I'm gonna get in the middle of the field and I'm gonna take my stand. He defended it and he struck the Philistines down. And the Lord, I love this, the Lord brought about a great victory. How did God do it? He did it through a man. He did it with a man. Shama's name means a couple things, but in Hebrew, it's, it, also, it means present one. It's used of a name of God, Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is present. God's there. God was with this man in the field. He looked like he was alone, but he wasn't alone because God never leaves us alone. He gets in the fight with us. What you're facing right now, you're not all by yourself. You're not alone. You have God with you. And what I love about the church is we're called to be an army together of brothers that stand with one another, pray with one another, fight for one another, Verse 
11 says that he took his stand when all the enemy came to a field of lentils. And now listen, I don't know about you, but I might fight over barbecue, but I will not fight over lentils. <laughs> and, and, and I'm sure there's something about this story where you think, you know, these lentils aren't much, but if they're your lentils and the enemy's coming to take them, it's worth a fight. They don't look like much, but they're mine. And Shama says, they're mine. So, so I'm, I'm done running. In fact, it's actually the, the pattern when the enemy would show up, when the Philistines would arrive year after year, the Israelite army, the troops would run, those equipped to fight, those ready for battle. When the battle showed up, many of them ran. Why would you run instead of stand? Well, I think a lot of people evaluated, it's not worth it. The cost is too great. The price is too high. Shama, she said, he says, listen, it's, I'm done running. And change really happens in your life when you say, I'm done letting the enemy rip me off. I'm done letting fear take its hold. I'm done letting this compromise or this addiction or this issue rob me of peace, rob me of joy, and get in the way of my relationship with God and others. I'm done running. I'm going to take my stand. And I believe tonight it's time for us as men to take our stand. To say, I'm going to get in the middle of the field. And you know what I love about this is he is present for the battle because he's already present in his field. It's not always glamorous to work the field. It's not always glamorous to take care of lentils. I don't know anybody that says, sign me up for the lentil guy. Like, that's the career choice I have. I want to be a lentil farmer. And take care of that. If there's any lentil farmers in here, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, he, but here's what he says. He says, I'm going to stand because these are mine. These are my lentils. <laughs> and I'm willing to fight the enemy over them. But here's what I found. Before the battle ever arrives, you have to be present in your field. If he was absent in the place that God had called him to, if he was absent in the position, in the purpose, and around in the, with the right people, in the right place, if he was absent that in the field that he was called to, he wouldn't have been ready for the battle. And God has called us to take our place. He's called you to your field. And many times that field looks like your family. It looks like your marriage. It looks like your job. And, and listen, when you started that job and maybe it was something you were really excited about, you were, you were passionate to show up and then after a while it just became a grind. You were excited to pursue her when you were dating and, and she was fun and then you get married and, and you found out she has a lot of words. <laughs> and this relationship's gonna take some work. Like, I, 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 I thought it was easy. I thought all I had to do was just buy her dinner. And then we get married and it's work, it's effort, it takes an investment. And many times we give up on a field because it's not as exciting to be in that field anymore. And we begin to devalue the very ground, the very place, the very field that God has called us to. And I believe the enemy has a plan and a strategy to remove us from our field. To isolate us and separate us and cause us to run from the very place we're called to because when you take your stand with God, the enemy doesn't have a chance. Notice the Philistines banded together. They outnumber Shama, but Shama has God with him. Two, one plus one with God. When you've got God on your side, it's always a majority. 
It doesn't matter. I, I know many times, even as Christians, we get overwhelmed with the, the, the junk that's happening in the world around us, and we think, oh, it's too much. How are we supposed to do this? But you with God always wins. I like those odds. I'd rather have God on my side. Listen, I'm gonna be in a battle either way. I'd rather be in a battle with God than without him. Because <laughs> the enemy doesn't care. He's gonna try to rip you off and take your lentils. He's gonna try to take what belongs to you. He's gonna try to take your peace, take your purpose, take your identity. He tries to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what Jesus said. Second thing, and this is where I wanna focus today, number two, is we need to recognize what is keeping us from our field. Recognize what's keeping you from your field. I, I know that all of us have areas we feel strong in. All of us have areas that we feel like, I got this. I can do this. The enemy shows up, I pop him. <laughs> like, I can handle this. But all of us also have areas we feel like we're struggling. We, we wish it was better. I know guys that, man, they're killing it in business but their marriage is in trouble. They're killing it at work, but their relationship with their kids is broken. They have everything together in public, but behind the scenes, there's stuff that's undermining their integrity. And all of us have areas that if we're honest, they're keeping us from our field. They're keeping us from being effective in our field. And I'm just gonna tell you, men are strong, but they're not always strong all the time in every area. And I know, you know, when I'm talking about strong, I'm not just talking about physical strength. Now listen, as, as a dad, as a husband, I've got two jobs in the house. These are two jobs that nobody is willing to take over in my family yet. The first job is I'm the jar opener. I'm the jar opener. And I, I like that because I like, to, I like to show off a little bit, you know, and then, boy, I can't, <laughs> anyway, um, the other job is I'm the spider killer. And yet I have no volunteer. I have two boys and I'm, I'm working on this. It helps when I'm out of the house because then I'm like, you gotta do it. <laughs> you gotta kill that thing. And, 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 and so, so, so I'm the jar opener and the spider killer. And sometimes we measure strength by just exploits. <laughs> Not that that's an exploit. Uh, but then we have areas of our life where, man, we're struggling things that are keeping us up at night. You know, there's in, in, I've been a pastor almost 20 years, and in that time, there's three areas that I know guys think about or, or are preoccupied with or worried about. Worried about money, sex, and, our, and leading our family, leading our home. And it's those areas where many times we feel like, man, I'm, 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 I'm drowning in some way. And it's those very things that many times we, we need help, we need, we need wisdom from God, we need, uh, we, we need direction. Do you know the Bible has a lot to say about how to be a man? The Bible has a lot to say about how to build a marriage. I, I love that I was sharing this verse with somebody recently. There's a verse that says, dwell with your wives with understanding. I think it's so funny that the Bible actually includes that. Like, you're gonna need to understand some things. I don't always. <laughs> and yet, here's what we need to recognize. So, so in my life, a couple years ago, one of my mentors showed me this picture, and I, I love this. Uh, I've begun to evaluate, almost seasonally, certain dashboard indicators in my life. So, so if your car, you know, your, 
you need to get the oil change, tire pressure's low, engine's got some problems, whatever it is, you'll start seeing caution lights pop up on your dashboard. And some of us, like, we'll take care of it tomorrow. Some of us, we are going to push it to the limit. Our dashboard looks like a Christmas tree. But you know your, your life has dashboard caution lights too? In fact, if we could put that list on, on the screen real quick. I, that's kind of small, but you, I'll, I'll describe these real quick. These are things that I feel like, for me, I, I regularly like to go back to and say, how am I doing in these areas? Do you know they said of the Titanic that it was unsinkable, and do you know why? They said God himself couldn't sink it. We all know the story. Your wife may have made you watch that movie with her. But here's, here's what the problem with, Titanic, with the Titanic was it was designed to separate into compartments. Within the, within the structure of the ship, they could shut down and close off certain sections in the case of an emergency. And the idea was that if the, the aft section of the boat was taking on water, the rest of the boat would be kept from sinking. We all know how that worked out for the Titanic. And sometimes as men, we're really good at compartmentalizing. Have you ever noticed, those of you who are married, how your wife, sometimes like everything's connected? Like she'll be talking to me about the kids and, and somehow the story goes over here and we're now we're talking about, you know, what the neighbor said. We're talking about, you know, yesterday and talking about what she, the text she just got and, and all of this somehow is connected. And, and, and I, I've also noticed that, that she doesn't want me to, if she has a problem, she doesn't want me to fix the problem. I'm like, just let me fix it. Let me tell you how to fix it. But for guys, we're really good at compartmentalizing. Like we, we break things into sections. So we go, okay, I'm, that's work. Compartment. That's my marriage, compartment. That's, that's my walk, that's my faith. That's my relationship with Jesus, compartment. This is my finances, compartment. And, and we separate sections out, but when one of them takes on water, it begins to affect the whole thing. And if we're not careful, we'll be taking on water and think, well, everything's fine because over here I'm great. How many times do we have somebody that we know really well and yet they, they throw in the towel? They crash and burn. And we go, I never would have thought. I never knew that was going on in their life. Because sometimes we're really good at compartmentalizing, even to ourselves. That's the dangerous part. We convince ourselves, I'm good. We're knee deep in water, but I'm good. And these are just, just a couple areas. Let me go through these real quick. Uh, I start with spiritual because if you didn't know this, everything is spiritual because everything matters to God. God wants to get involved in every area of my life. And, in, and if, for everything in my life to work, it has to begin with God. When I've got, that's why the Bible says in, in uh, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things you worry about, work after, strive for, fight for, all that will be taken care of. All that will be added, but here's what we do. Seek first. And when I can put God first in my life and get my priorities in order, then he helps me to begin to, to work in every other area. Our marriage, if you're married and your family, your closest relationships, how are you doing in those? Do you have a caution light? I, I go through this on a regular basis, this list, to, to evaluate how am I doing here? How was I doing a year ago? And I know that sounds like, you know, a little overly self-critical, and I don't believe in being self-critical, but here's what we do. I, I can't identify, I can't fix a problem I don't first identify. How's our, how's our physical life? Sometimes you just need, my 14-year-old my, my son, 
uh, we were having like a heated conversation last night and it turned out he just needed to eat. I don't tell my wife, sometimes when her and I are having a heated conversation, uh, I know it's hard for you to picture a pastor having a heated conversation, but it happens. And, and on occasion, I realize she just needs to eat. And then I'll tell her, you probably need to eat. Bad idea, don't tell her that. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> but my physical life, how am I doing? Am I, am I resting? I know sometimes as guys, especially those of us who are doers, man, we, we like to work and work and work, but you know you were designed to also rest. Some of us are resting and not working, and some of us are working and not resting. Neither is good. And eventually, where the caution light is, we'll burn out. I put emotional and thought life. I know sometimes as guys we think, oh, I'm not emotional. I'm not emotional. We're comparing ourselves. But listen, you're there's some times in my life I recognize, man, I can get to a bad place real quick in my mind. I can get discouraged real quick. I can get confused real quick. I can, if I'm not careful about guarding what's in my thought life and protecting my thought life and what I fixate my life on, that it can begin to affect everything else. Work, uh, I add digital because I think that's, that's a trap for so many of us. Or many times where I have to ask myself, how's my digital life? Like, how, how much am I, am I watching instead of engaged in other areas that I may need to be? Financial life and social life. I think as guys, sometimes it's really hard for us to connect except around something. So connect around work, connect around an activity, connect around a sport. That's all fine. But, but how, when was the last time I told somebody I need to talk? And do you have somebody in your life that you can talk to? Song of Solomon uh, 2.15 says this, catch for us the little foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little issues. I know sometimes we see that big Philistine battle coming, but sometimes it's the little things that actually undermine us. Interesting story, uh, Gideon is, is, is a leader that God raises up to, to gather an army together and fight the Midianites who are doing the same thing like the Philistines here. They're coming and stealing the harvest of the Israelites. Year after year, they just come and show up and cart it off. And, and, and God says to Gideon, I've chosen you for this battle. And he says, gather the men. And they get all these men from all over the nation. And God says to him, hey, Gideon, there's actually too many. Because you're going to think if you win this battle, you did it on your own. And so God gives him two tests to whittle the army down. Like, it doesn't make sense. Why would we need less, God? There's some seasons of life I have to realize how much I need him. I've always needed him, but sometimes when I don't have what I think I need, I realize how much I have to depend on God. And, and here's what happens. God gives him two tests. He says, here's what I want you to do. Tell all the guys, whoever is afraid can leave. Now, I just think that's such an interesting story. It's in Judges chapter 7 because how many guys are going to be willing to admit, I'm, I'm afraid? I don't think it was like, yeah, I'm afraid. I think it was, it was, who's afraid? And then some guys in the back are like, oh, isn't there something going on over there? Hey, where's Charlie? <laughs> and something begins to happen. The crowd begins to dwindle. And then he gives them a second test. He says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Watch how they drink water. Such a funny test. He says, watch how they drink water. Some of the guys are, are gonna run and they're gonna be so thirsty from standing around finding out who's scared that they're gonna run down to the brook and they're gonna drink straight from the river. Face first, drink water out of the brook. 
And then some of the guys are going to be so focused on the battle that's ahead and the enemy that's just over the hill, they're going to sit there and they're going to scoop up the water and they're going to lap it from their hands. And he says, the ones that keep their eye on the battlefield and just pick up the water and drink it from their hands but don't stick their face face first in the river, he says, that's the group you're going to take to battle. What's the test? It's about who's fearless and who's focused. And I know fear can take a lot of forms, and most of us would never admit, well, I'm afraid. You know, like, that's just ridiculous. But you know what? We have insecurity. It may not look like fear, but we have insecurity. Here's how I know that. I know guys that, man, they, they can lead a crowd. They, can, they, could, they could pitch a business deal to an investor, but they are terrified to pray with their wife. You want me to pray with her? You want me to lead spiritually? Like, she, are you hearing me, guys? And there's some areas where we get insecure, and fear always keeps us from our assignment. It always keeps us from the place and the ground we're called to take. It strips us of our identity and our authority in God. But the second test is also important. I think it actually takes more people out. It's the test of focus. Some of them were so focused on genuine need, because listen, when you're thirsty, you need water. You're created for that. But how many of us can keep focused on the field while we're still doing what we need to do? They don't take their eyes off of the battlefield. They don't take their eyes off of what's ahead of them. When, When the enemy wants to take us out from our battle, from the field we're called to, many times all he has to do is distract us with something less distract us with what we're worried about or maybe distracting us with something that's not something we're called to. And in this story, man, they're actually distracted by what's good and needed. You know, you have a mission. As men, you have a mission. And the less I found, the less I live on mission, the more I have to be entertained. The less I live on mission, the more I scroll. The less I live on mission, the more I allow my focus to be distracted, not even by bad things, but lesser things. And and, and my experience as a pastor and in my own life has been, listen, when I begin to drift, I begin to take my eyes off the ball and I begin to remove myself from the field that I'm created for, called to, fight for, and we just kind of go on autopilot. We stop showing up where we're called to show up. And here's what I know. A lot of times when we feel like we're failing, maybe we feel like we're failing at home. So you know what we do? We dive into a hobby. Because, listen, I can, I can show up. I love to golf. But, you know, golfing, as frustrating as it can be, is a lot sometimes simpler than having a conversation with my spouse. I'm, I'm telling you. Because that takes understanding. It takes listening. It takes con- it, it takes investment. What, what, what if trying to be the dad I need to be? It's hard. Sometimes it's just easier to go binge watch something on Netflix. Sometimes it's easier to get caught up in work. And we, we get focused on one area that may be even good and needed, but it takes us from what we need to do in what's immediate and where we're maybe taking on water. There's another story right after Gideon, a man named Samson. He's, he's like, man, this guy's the Hulk. 
He's, he's physically strong, empowered by God to do great exploits physically. Like this guy can tear up an enemy. Do you know what? He's physically strong, but he likes Philistine girls way too much. <laughs> like, oh man, have you seen Delilah? Delilah shows up, and she's trouble, man. He knows it, and he doesn't care. He knows that opening that door and that relationship could destroy him, but he doesn't care because it's too fun. And here's what he does. He spends time with Delilah. He sleeps with Delilah. And, and, and while he's with Delilah, here's what happens. Delilah says, hey, why don't you tell me why you're so strong? And he starts to play games. He starts to mess with her, and she gets frustrated, and she nags him over and over and over until he tells her. Finally, he's, she says, well, if you really love me, you'll tell me the source of your strength, and she, he does. He says, it's my hair. Now, it's not because his hair made him strong. His hair represented his consecration to God. His life was not his own. It belonged to God, and he was strong as long as he honored God, but here's what happens. He's willing to flirt with compromise, and it undermines who he is. And, and if I could I actually put that verse up, I want you to see this. In Judges 16, verse 19, she lulled him to sleep on her knees, called for a man to shave off the locks of his head, and he, she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she says, the Philistines are on you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep, and he says, I'm going to go out just like I did before, and I'm going to shake myself free. And that's why pride is deceptive, because sometimes we think, well, I, I, I overcame that before. It wasn't a big deal. I could flirt with that issue. I could, allow, I could just look at that pornography. I could just allow that little bit of compromise, and it wouldn't affect me. But then eventually, you get up and you realize, I don't have the strength that I once had. And Samson, watch what takes place. He didn't know the Lord had departed from him. They take him, they bind him up. Verse 21, the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him, and he became a grinder in the prison. The great champion of Israel, the one chosen, called, strengthened by God, his eyes get put out. What is he, what's the first thing that happens? You lose vision. You start to think nothing will ever change. And what he could have been doing is fighting battles. Instead, he's grinding a mill. They bound him and they trapped him and they snared him. Can I just ask you, what's keeping you from your field? Maybe it's something like Gideon's army where it's, I need this, I need water, of course I need this. Maybe it's in the case of Samson where I'm, he's willing to compromise who he is because he likes it too much. Do you know that sometimes, I mean, I've had people say this, they're like, I've been prayed for and this issue doesn't go away. Maybe, just maybe, here's what I found. When, when I like something more than I like being free, I'll let that thing rule my life. I'll let that thing hold me captive. Galatians 5.1, stand fast, therefore, in the freedom, the liberty by which Christ has made you free, and don't be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. In other words, what Jesus sets you free from, don't go back to. Don't let it affect you. Don't let it rule over you. It's interesting that the first 
sin after Adam and Eve. In fact, let me just talk about that for a second. Eve chooses to disobey God and says she took of the fruit of the tree. You know what she did? She handed it to her husband who was with her. It doesn't say when he showed up. He was just there, but he was quiet. He was silent when a serpent was trying to steal from his family, his future, and all of our future by the, introducing the temptation of the sin of the fall. And Adam's present, but he's disengaged. He's not active, he's not leading, he's not standing, he's not fighting. In fact, he joins on in with her. The next generation comes along, Cain and Abel, and you know the story, these brothers fight, and, and Cain kills Abel out of jealousy. But just before he kills Abel, God comes to Cain, and here's what he says to him. Sin lies at the door. Its desire is for you, like this thing wants you, and you should rule over it. I, um, a few years ago, I got woken up in the middle of the night by, I lived in Phoenix. I got woken up in the middle of the night by a scorpion sting. Got me while I was sleeping. That was the worst. I sit up, I, I see this scorpion, I knock it on the ground, and then I manage to get a shoe or something and kill it. Two weeks later, wake up again, scorpion. That was not fun. Both of them, right in my leg. Now, put my dad hat on, I'm like, well, I had a little, little girl, baby girl at the time. I'm like, at least it got me, not them. My wife's like, glad I got you, not me. And I, I, got her, I had a guy in our church who was, you know, did bug spray. We did everything, nuked the place, would not take care of the scorpion problem. I didn't know this, but scorpions could light up if you use a UV flashlight. So I got a UV flashlight. I'm going around the yard and I'm seeing them at night. Scorpions all over the place. And I've tried nuking them. I've tried everything I can. And finally I get fed up and say, it is time. War has been declared. These things are gonna die. They have invaded my house, <laughs> invaded my property. And so every night, my neighbors probably thought I was nuts. I went around with this little UV flashlight and a knife and had to kill one by one. Every night I had to go out and do this. And by the end of it, I think I killed some like 33 scorpions. Who's ready to move to Phoenix? <laughs> do you know there's some things, if somebody invaded your home, what would you do? You'd probably fight back. You'd introduce them to Smith and Wesson. You'd fight back. But do we fight with that same intensity when something invades our heart, invades our thought life? Sometimes we leave the door unlocked and, and, and we begin to look at things and view things and, 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 and allow influences in our heart that actually are robbing us and stealing from us and, and, and affecting every other area of our life. I don't want to win at work and lose my family. I don't want to... I don't want to win and even in relationships and have people love me and all that, but man, behind the scenes, I'm somebody else. Behind the scenes, I'm a different person. What's keeping you from your field? The third and final point is this. You don't have to fight this alone. You don't have to fight this alone. Jason and the team, if you come up. See, what I love about this story is not even that Shama decided to fight that day. He decided to stand his ground that day. And maybe that's where you're at right now. You feel like, man, I don't have it all together. Well, the good news is you're not the only one. 
In fact, that's the lie of the enemy. You're all by yourself. You're the only one who's dealing with this issue. You're the only one that's thinking that thought. You're the only one that's having this problem. You're the only one that wants to give up on their spouse. You're the only one that wants to give up on their purpose and their calling. You're the only one that wants to close doors on their business and is discouraged right now. You're the only one, and that's the whisper and the lie. And because of that whisper, we isolate. What I love about this story is Shama gets right in the middle of the field, and he looks alone, but he isn't alone. And he stands and fights, and God's with him, and God helps him. And here's what it says. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. God is ready to get involved in your fight. When we show up and we invite God to lead the way and we say, God, I need your help for this. Do you know God can do anything he wants without us? But he won't. <laughs> he says, I'm, I'm, looking for a, I'm looking for a man that's gonna get in the field. What's God's answer to our community? It's a man. What's God's answer for a family? It's a man. What's God's answer for a nation? I believe it's still the same. It's a man that says, I'm going to allow God to lead. And you know what it says? The Lord brought about a good victory. There's a lot of ways God can be described. He's God. He's, he's divine. He's mighty. He's separate and apart from all of creation. He's holy. But here it says he's Lord. What is Lord? It means he's ruling. The New Testament will say it like this, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. When I allow him to be Lord, you know the strongest thing you can do is surrender to God. Because pride says, I got this, I can do this, I don't need help, I'm gonna fight on my own. Do you know what I found? I need God every single day. And I need men of God around me. I need somebody, when my headspace is not great, to ask somebody, hey, what, what do you think about this? I'm not looking at this clearly. Say, I need somebody to pray with me, to fight with me. You read the rest of the list of the mighty men. They weren't alone. They had each other's back. Some of them fought their own individual battles but together they were a force that was unstoppable. I wanna ask you, what would happen if 100 guys in this room right now would say, I'm, I'm taking the field. I don't have it all together, but I'm taking the field. I got some areas that if I'm honest with God and myself, that I'm, I'm struggling here. All of us have areas we're rich in and areas we're poor in. Areas we're strong in and areas we're weak in. That's why God's put others around us. That's why he's put his word in our life. To grow us where we're poor. To grow us where we're weak. But we gotta show up. And I know you are, because you're here. Not just to an event, but you're here to encounter God. You're here to grow together. What would God do in North Iowa if a hundred guys said, I'm giving everything to God? I'm not gonna let fear rule my life anymore. I'm not gonna let insecurity keep me from leading in my family. Well, I'm not as spiritual as her. It doesn't matter. I don't know as many Bible verses as her. It doesn't matter. 
God puts in your wife what you need and God puts in your life what she needs. And if you're not married, it's no different. God's put in others what you need. He's put gifts in your life that others need. You belong in the field. You're called to the field. Where has he placed you? And what is robbing you from your, your assignment, your calling? I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet, guys. The Lord brought about a great victory. It takes courage. It takes courage to admit, I need help. It takes courage to say, I can't do this on my own. Do you know what surrender to God is? It's saying, God, I need you. God, I need you. I need your help. You know what? The most important lesson I ever learned was, he's God, I'm not. I can't save me. Man, he can do anything. I'm going to ask you to do this. If you bow your heads and close your eyes, you don't have to fight this alone. There's a field with your name on it. There's a place for you. God has people for you. He has a purpose for you. But you will only find it when you find him. If you're in here and you don't have a relationship with God, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus to rescue and restore and redeem us. That means he died on the cross, took my sin and took your sin. He paid the price. He laid his life down. And he did it for us to save us, to purchase us back to God, to give us a home in heaven, but a purpose on planet earth, to fulfill the will of God, to answer his call and to show up to our field because there is a field that you belong in. And if you don't show up, who will? If you don't fight for your family, who will? If you don't fight for your coworkers, who will? If you don't fight for your neighbors and your friends and your family, who will? God's put you in this field for a reason. He's put you at this time, in this place, in this generation. But the question is, do you know him? Because what made Shama win the battle was not just his skill, because he was outnumbered. But God was with him, and the Lord brought about a great victory. What do you need God's help with today? I'm going to ask you this. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you can right now, right here now. God loves you. He's for you. Religion won't help, but Jesus changes everything. He rescues us. He saves us. We all have the same problem. It's the problem of sin. Sin separates us from God, but Jesus came to bridge that gap. If you're in here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you've never surrendered to God, I want to give you the opportunity right now with no one looking around. Maybe tonight you need to come back to God. You say, you know what, I tried it my own way. There's been distance. If I'm honest, there's distance. Things are not where they need to be. And tonight I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. I want to give him everything. If either of those are for you, I want you to respond to God right where you're at and say, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. I need God in my life. And I want you to lift your hand to God. Say, that's me. I need Jesus. I need him. I'm going to ask you to pray this with me. And I'm going to ask every man in here to pray this with us, to encourage those responding to God. Would you pray this? Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Be my Savior. And today, be a Lord of my whole life. 
I surrender it all to you. And from this moment forward, I put my trust in you, Jesus. And I follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask our prayer team, any of our guys that are here from our leadership, if you come down to the front. I'm going to ask you if there's some areas where you say, you know what, I'm taking on water here. And I need God's help. I'm not going to call you up front yet. We're just going to have these guys up for prayer. If you have an individual need, you come up to them after. And let them pray with you. But you're not alone. Hear me. You're not alone. Don't isolate. Get around some guys. And I'm thankful for this opportunity we have to gather, to eat, to pray together, all of that. But if, you're, if you've got areas that are taking on water right now, you need God's help. I'm just going to ask you, right where you're at, just raise your hands to God. You say, I need God's help in my life. I need God's help in my marriage. I need God's help in my family. I need God's help with my kids. I need God's help with my business. I need God's help in my life, and I'm surrendering this to God. I'm giving this to God. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I'm giving my personal time to God. I'm giving what I watch to God. I'm giving what I listen to to God. I'm giving everything to you, God. Father, right now, I thank you for the men in this room. I thank you for the mighty men, whether they felt it, whether they thought it, whether they've recognized it or not. Every man in this room is a mighty man of God every one of us, because that strength isn't measured by how well we've done, it comes from you. And I pray right now for every man that's in here, that says, God, I need you. We give it to you. Would you just surrender it? Sometimes that's the hardest thing to do is surrender to God, but it is the only way to victory. It is the only way to freedom. Right now, there's addictions that need to be surrendered. There's some stuff you stay up looking at that you need to surrender to God. Can I just tell you, you need to fight that thing as aggressively as you would fight an intruder coming to your house. I don't care if you gotta delete some stuff, you gotta close some stuff, you gotta, <laughs> whatever it takes. You gotta fight that thing. If you don't know what to do, give it to God. God, I need your help. God, would you help us? you strengthen the men in this room I know you will I know you're good and we give it all to you we're gonna sing this together and declare the great greatness of our God the faithfulness of our God if you need prayer and would like somebody to pray with you about a specific thing come and see our team we're gonna be down here we would love to pray with you come on the rest of us before we dismiss you trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus to learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.